there's a lot of tough questions in life. We are confident of better things concerning you. Glad you could join us. Thanks for plugging into SoundCloud, iTunes. Love you all. Here comes another great podcast, and it's all coming up right now. God calls us to spiritual discernment. He says, I want you to search me out. One of my favorite Proverbs that I enjoy reading is comes out of Proverbs chapter 2. In, in the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 2, there is an outline of what spiritual discernment really is. Listen to as I read to Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands with you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In these verses here in Proverbs, it's a beautiful example because you'll notice in verse 1 it says if, in verse 3 it says if, and in verse 4 it says if, then in verse 5 it says then. If, 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 then. Almost like an equation. This plus this plus this equals this. What I believe it's outlining is a process of us how we discern things spiritually. Included in these verses are two concepts. One is wisdom and one is knowledge. Now you can go on and on about what is truth. But truth is an element of wisdom and knowledge. Without truth, you have no belief. Now, there are many people today that will believe something that may not be true. The reason that they're believing something that is not true is because they've based their thinking on assumptions, things that are not validated. There's something called empirical science. In empirical science, it's a process of putting evidence together to determine an outcome. It's like apologetics. It's saying, the reason I believe this is because of this and this. And so thusly, it must mean this is true. So we come to a full circle and say, this is what truth is for me, and that's why I believe it. God says, and this is a mandate, use your powers of spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment is also a gift. But just like the gift of mercy or compassion, not everybody has it. So just because discernment is not your gift does not mean that you should not be discerning. Now there's so many things that we can argue about. And oftentimes we get very heated in our argument because we, have, we feel so strongly about what we believe. The verses that we're going to be looking at are found in Hebrews. And a lot of what we learn is recognizing relationships. 
We use language. We expound upon meaning. This is how I feel about this. This is what this means to me. Before it to be truth, it's got to have some evidence. Check out Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4, starting with verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain and often comes upon it and bears herbs useful to those whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But it, if it bears thorns and burrs, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. There's a lot of tough questions in life that really are hard to answer questions that we have regarding our salvation. Someone asks the question, can I lose my salvation? First, you have to know how you get salvation. And I think that's where the argument can get squashed right away. Because you've built a common ground. If you know how salvation is obtained, you create an environment that will explain then what happens after you have obtained salvation. Some people will come along and say, well, you know what, I've been a good guy. I deserve to go to heaven. The amount of good things that I have done outweighs the sin that I have committed. There's a lot of reasons we can come up with why you would want to be in God's kingdom. There's a lot of good reasons. But do we dwell on the good reasons? Or are we looking at it negatively? And now we're arguing with ourselves. And oftentimes, the flesh will win out seen that happen plenty of times. So then, how did I get my salvation in the first place? Well, it really does have to do with belief. But it's not intellectual belief. You have to understand what belief really is. Do you truly and honestly believe? If you do, God says you will have eternal life. What constitutes belief? Biblical belief is more than intellectual. It's when our knowledge of Jesus changes from facts and observations of interest to a confident conviction in who he is and what he is doing by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole nother realm. Because I can believe that this podium is here. I can feel it. I can see it. I can touch it. Sensory input. That's what I'd use to perceive the world around me. But faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. means that I can't feel, touch, taste, hear. Biblical belief goes beyond the senses that we're normally using for perception of the world around us. And when that happens, this is what he promises is eternal life. It's what we hope for. And I'm not talking about just wishful thinking when I use the word hope. Don't get me wrong. Because oftentimes we can get the wrong perspective of the word hope. No. Hope is the assurance, the confidence in knowing that what is about to come in the future will happen. You know that's what's going to happen. By having faith, you've got to have belief. Two sides of the same coin. Belief and faith go hand in hand. First John chapter 5. 
These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So now the question has changed because of the framework of our discussion. The question is, do you really believe? And if you do believe, then you know you have eternal life. That's why these things have been written. So that you will know that you have eternal life in the name of the Son of God. And in Hebrews, it says clearly in the verse, three things that are very important to understand in terms of grammar. Those are participles. If you don't know what a participle is, what it is is it's verbiage that's used as an adjective to describe a noun. All right? Here are four participles in Hebrews chapter 6 that help us to get a clear picture of what it's talking about. The words are enlightened, tasted, and then also, your Bible might say, made partakers. Mine says become partakers. And then again in verse 5, the word tasted. And clearly the scripture says that Christ tasted death. So starting with that participle right there, we're seeing that, you know what, it was something that was just for a brief moment. It says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of this age. And so I'm going, well, that means they were saved, right? In the right context, if you back it up to verse 1, it says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, or your Bible might say maturity. So when is it then you really know that you're saved? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's my experience, it's my experience that you can know that you are saved. The elementary things are the things that we know about Christ. It's that belief Christ is a figure, we know that God exists, we know that uh, he existed and the history books show it, and I read the Bible, and I've read in the Bible John 3.16, and I've read these verses and I know but you haven't taken it the next step further. That's progression moving forward in your walk, saying that I want Christ as Lord of my life. Now that's the kind of belief that's necessary for you to know that you have salvation. Because that kind of belief changes your life. You recognize it. So then what happens when someone fails? They slip up. They go back to their muck and mire. And they start screwing up. And now I've had another question asked to me, and they said, you know what, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin to where God could never forgive me. Well, there's only one sin that God could never forgive. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's also spoken up here in Hebrews. But the kind of blasphemy that it's talking about has nothing to do with you going out and bumping your head or doing this and that or the other, or the other thing. That doesn't mean that you lose salvation when that happens. The blasphemy it's talking about is jumping ship. It's apostasy. 
It's saying, you know, you're on the right ship, and it's going to heaven, but you want no part of it. You want off. That's huge. It's the same thing that the Pharisees called out Jesus on. They said, well, you're doing these miracles in the name of Satan. That's blasphemy. It's anything that's directly opposed to the Spirit of God's work. You'll notice that in Hebrews chapter 10, notice here verse 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which would devour the adversaries. Underline the word adversaries. Adversaries means those that oppose God, completely against God. The word willful means with malicious intent. Now, we might willingly accept an invitation to go backstage and find ourselves stretched out underneath a bleacher when the ministry van is waiting for us. But that doesn't mean we're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we did it with malicious intent, willfully. And God is going to teach you a lesson by that. He's going to chastise you. You'll never forget that experience. You'll move forward. You'll show fruitage of God's working in your life. Here's the, the, the real thing that I notice happens the most often. We fail to recognize the fruitage of God's Spirit working through our lives. And instead, we focus on this sin and the guilt that it puts on our shoulders and the shame and the, oh, poor pitiful me, and we ride the pity pot all over everybody around us. That's what Satan's plan is. To make you feel as though you are going to lose your salvation. And Jesus says, John 3.17, I didn't come here to condemn the world. I came here to save the world. You've got to be careful. Because you have to recognize that you are children of God. Romans 8.26 says that. God never disowns His children. It's not going to happen. God says in Ephesians 2, chapter 10, He's already had this set up from the very beginning. You've been predestined. He also says you're sealed. That's it. Done deal. It's a, a good thing. You're not going anywhere. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. He also says in John chapter 3, verse 3, you've been born again. How important it is to recognize that you are a new creation. A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I tell you, when I received the Lord in my heart, it was like that. I recognized the old man all of a sudden. And everything was new. Everything I read in the Scripture, and it was like this desire came over me, and I was just excited. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. I keep digging and digging and digging. I'm telling you, it's, it never stops. But the fact of the matter is, if you're wondering if you can lose your salvation, the question you should be asking is whether you have it in the first place. If whether you really believe, that's what is really going to make a difference in your life. Not whether you're going to lose it. Because you can't lose something you don't have.
Philippians 1, verse 6. We'll start with 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Once he starts something, it's on. It's going to happen. If you don't see evidence of it, look a little closer. There probably is. You're just overlooking. And if you're wondering where this is going, well, you have a view for eternal life. And there's great hope. Going back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest any one fall, according to the example of disobedience. This is the premise from which the writer is explaining the rest. He's saying, this is a warning. I want to warn you. Know your salvation. Be diligent. Study the Word. Make the belief yours. Understand what truth is in your heart. Confess it to God. Make Him Lord of your life. That's what He's saying. So He's not so much talking to all those ones that are apostate or blasphemers, but He's saying, you that do believe, you should watch out. Those ones don't. Make sure you're the one that does. Be diligent. Search it out. Going back to 6, look at verse 9. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. He says, I'm not trying to tell you you're going to lose your salvation. I'm just trying to warn you. Keep your focus. Be warned. You're going to lose your focus from time to time. So be diligent. Stay in the Scripture. Keep that first love that you had when you came to God. Keep digging. Keep searching. Keep seeking. Keep asking yourself, if this, if that, if that, then what? And why? Search out those answers. And when you know them for yourself in your heart and someone comes up to you and says, Brother, do you think I could ever lose my salvation? You have something to say. You'll be able to reason with them. You'll be able to say, well, the question is, how do you get salvation? What is salvation? Do you believe? The warning is this. Make sure that you do believe. And you will have your salvation. And you will see a transformation in your life. It'll happen. And guess what will happen? Revelations chapter 12, 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Trust me, you could love your life to death. That's the warning. Heed the warning. Blake plugging in, share this sermon, and let everybody know about Virtue Effect. And right here on SoundCloud and iTunes.